Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome to Guys at a Mic Show, Wednesday version of the Two Guys at a Mic Show here on the TalkZone.com, midweek hump day, if you will. Thank you so much for joining us. Plenty to talk about here in the world of sports. We'll jump off the sports page as well. Uh, we got to go to the obituaries, too. we got a couple of those we haven't talked about for a while. And we are going to make a suggestion once the NBA returns. We teased this a couple of days ago. But we'll match up one of our fine listeners coming up with a phenomenal suggestion once the NBA basketball is back in action. We'll bring that up today. Start to preview the football ahead. And in case you uh, forgot, we got uh, baseball playoffs. It is October, and it is the Championship League Series. Yesterday, uh, Detroit coming back, knocking off Texas by the two. We got St. Louis and Milwaukee resuming today. All right, the uh, stage is set. Without further ado, before well, before I welcome in my good partner, let's listen to the fine music of the TalkZone.com, courtesy of music director and CD player David Olson, our producer. It's inspirational. It's heart-stopping. Better than a Lou Holtz pep talk, folks. Or charging than listening to Herman Cain part to par with a milk uh, Robbie with a Mitt Romney last night. Like Frazier versus Ali, it's unbelievable. The music here at the talkzone.com. Now, I can say without further Joseph ado, let me welcome in my partner. Checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. It's the good fella, big dog, Joel Radwanski. Big dog, how are you? Uh, the coach, uh, I'm. A little bit happy. A little very, bit. Very, very, but there's a little bit of trepidation in my happiness. And also, I'm a little confounded. Today's hump day? I don't think so for me. I'm all by myself. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's I don't, I don't think it's going to be hump day for me for a long time, but it's good for me. I think I need a break. Yeah. So, uh, and I have a goal, too, so uh-huh. no more hump days for me. Yeah, you know what? Having a couple of hump days where you're by yourself, uh, and I think you've got the right attitude, not the worst thing in the world. No, no, no. And actually, I think it'll uh, allow me to actually end up having a hump days with the right people, okay? <laughs> okay. Now, but you know, but what I mean is, oh, oh, you probably think I'm talking about something totally different. Yeah, please. For me, ex- it's like hump day for us, oh, the week is almost over. Well, for me, I, I, I need to get start getting a lot of stuff done. So for me, it's not like, oh, finally half the week is over with. For me, it's more like, uh-oh, I only mm-hmm. have half a week to get ah, stuff done. So it's catch-up Wednesday for you. Yeah, there you go, Coach. So, yeah, I didn't. I was, actually, when I was talking like that, I realized I may have been alluding to other things. Yes. But I did want to allude. Yes, we do. Well, you're allowed to allude three times during the show. It's similar to the Bears, you've already used one of your alludes early. So you've got two left. Uh-oh. Use them uh, very, very carefully. But, uh, yeah, well, some of our goes, listeners might have taken you the wrong way. Not me, of course. Well, if this goes in accordance to what happened on Monday night with the Bears, I will use two more allusions in the next 12 minutes. <laughs> Oh, goodness. We've been having that problem all year long with the Bears, the timeouts, oh, and I think... Uh, this year, huh? this year, 2004, we've had this problem. <laughs> Remember the problem with Jerron was we would go into the halftime with three timeouts. Remember, that was the problem with Dick Jerron. 
Oh, do you want to waste those timeouts? They're precious. Well, you didn't use any. They're not that precious. <laughs> you don't use them. And now we have a coach that uses them like uh, <laughs> uh, like smoking cigarettes. I have no idea, coach. Somewhere but, there's somewhere there's got to be a happy in between. And I've always said, especially in the second half of a close game, unless you're right near the goal line, I'd rather take the seriously. I would rather take the five yard penalty than to give up my timeout. That's what I would instruct there. There's a bunch of things when I watch football that I would do differently. If I came in as a coach, uh, that would be one thing I'd tell my players right off the bat. We're going to save our time. We're not going to get delay a game penalties. But if it comes down to it and we're anywhere between 30s, take the five-yard penalty. We're saving the damn timeout because I know how precious. If I'm behind three points, our offense is going to score. All we need is the ball back, and we can't. Get the ball back unless we have timeouts, fellas. Take the five-yard penalty and save my timeout. Here's the second thing I tell the team. Well, well, coach, Coach, I, I totally agree with you, and I, I couldn't agree more, but I just want to throw it in there. There are certain situations, like down and distance, that you wouldn't want to do it. Like if it was three. Well, I said between the, between the 30s. I, I understand that. Well, no, I, even in between the third. Yeah, maybe you're right. Like a fourth, like a fourth, third and one or something. Like, like if it was like a third and one, you have to call it. But like, yeah. if it just say it was like third and thirteen, I mm-hmm. would take the penalty. You're not going to make third and thirteen anyways. Punt the ball away. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, people might say, "Oh, you're being a defeatist. You're just giving up five yards." No, no, no I'm being a team. I think I could coach well enough to make up well, that five yards and use that timeout properly later when yeah. what's the difference? Five yards in the third quarter or. The ability to stop a clock from winding down for That's, 45 seconds. It's all about you know? psychology. Coaching uh-huh. players, working with players, it's all about psychology. Me being the brilliant psychologist, uh, and it's not garbage, it's legit. Here's what I tell my players, just as I told you. I said, hey, the reason we're not going to do that, gentlemen, is because I have the utmost belief in our offense. We work uh-huh. on that two-minute drill. We're going to be able to score late in a close game. i got confidence in you guys. We can't score if we don't have the ball. We can't get the ball if we can't call timeout. That's the reason we're saving our timeouts. And especially on a first or second down. Yes. Like, there's no reason. There's no reason to do it on a first yep. or second down. Now, here, now, here's the second thing I would tell my team. Day one. I'm going to, you know, the, the Republican candidates are, day one, I will, you know, eliminate Obamacare. Day one is the head coach of the uh, National Football League team. By the way, any NFL teams out there, you want to contact me, I will consider Division One college football if you're Division Three or high school. Not worth the call. I'm getting paid too much here at thetalkzone.com. Boy, do I miss that laugh track button. Uh, 888-463-6748. Day one, big dog. First locker room speech. The If anybody... If anybody on a kickoff, and our guy fields it six, seven yards deep in the end zone, you know how the second player comes in and puts up his arms like, hey, take it easy, take it easy, you know, take the knee. You know uh-huh. the visual I'm talking about? Yeah. That will not happen with our team. We don't play it safe. If you field that ball four, five, six, seven yards in the end zone, we are going to take it out. If you get stopped on the 16 or 17, all right. Hang on to the football, but we're going to take every chance we can to break it. So, you know, teammate number two, don't go up putting the brakes to the guy. Block somebody. We're taking the damn ball out. I'm available for coaching at 888-463-6748. Damn, I'm good. Uh, that's what I was going to say to you, Coach. As a, as a coach, I would say to the guy that is waving the run off being like, yeah. you know, you had to stop him because you decided <laughs> not to block anybody. <laughs> yeah. you, you I hate that. I really do. ball carrier instead of yep. blocking somebody on the other team. Yep. And, and most announcers, you know, compliment that guy. Smart decision, you know, two, three years. Let's play it safe. 20 yard line. That's a loss. Coach, that's a loss. I can tell you, Devin Hester receives the ball eight yards deep in the end zone on Monday, and that group of Detroit fans sit behind me during the game. Yeah. They're all, oh no. He's eight yards deep. Every other time in the history of no, that takes the ball out. I agree with you. That's Mm -hmm. you can score a touch, a hundred yard touchdown on about 
two percent of your plays yep. doing it that way. Tell you. What's you the and, chance of an ADR play? You, know? you and me disagree on a lot of things from linguistic to politics, Big Dog, but the two of us, I think, could be a, a very simpatico coaching a football team. No, no, because you, you, you believe in pass first. I'm changing. Okay. I'm changing. I, I'm, I'm I, willing I, to... I, I, actually, I don't care what you do, pass <laughs> first or whatever. I just want to make sure that my team on, on third and two can put two tight ends and a fullback on the field and the other team shivers knowing that there's no way they can stop us yeah. from getting two yards. So that, one one thing we would do right off the bat, we'd bring the fullback back in the game. Oh, without question. So there'd be a lot of thick-ankled white kids that'd be very happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. An extinct species these days, the thick, thick-ankled white dude. Uh, <laughs> is there like a you know a exhibit where you can actually see that yeah, person? Yeah, it's excellent. And uh, John Riggins is not a tour guide, and I'm telling you, he gives an entertaining tour. You know, uh, us tour guides, coach, we have yeah. a – talk about sympathico. Everywhere I go, well, you find out you're a tour guide. Yeah. A tour guide came out on my trip. You have no idea the stuff I yeah. did for this guy. We exactly. have a it's, – it's, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a strange click. It's a knit. It's a nice coach. By the way, there's a sign right next to the Larry Zonka cage that says, don't feed the fullback. I wouldn't feed him. Who would you no be man. your top five thick-ankled fullbacks? I think we've mentioned them. Larry Zonka and well, John Riggins got to be two of the top five. Well, even though, even though I want to tell you this. Thick-ankled white fullbacks. I consider John Riggins a halfback coach. He had great ankles, though. He, he did have growth. He was phenomenal. That guy had some of the best footwork of all time of any football yep. player. That dude could cut and move. Uh Greatest fullbacks of all time. That's a really good question because Rocky Blyer. Well, no, I'm not even talking the greatest fullback. Just prototypical, uh, you know, white, thick-ankled fullback. Don Nottingham of the Baltimore. How about Norm Big Boo Booyash of the Baltimore Colts? You old enough to remember him? No, no, I'm not old enough uh, to remember him, even though I, I, he does have one of the greatest names of all time. You would have loved him. I think Larry Zonka, just for the name. <laughs> I mean, and the fact that his nose actually hung out over his face mask because it was broken so many times, that's impressive, though. Yeah, and don't forget his uh, very quality mustache, too. I think the fourth-ranked mustache in National Football League history, Mike Ditka, of course, number one. Really? Ditka had the number one stash? I, I, would, I prefer thought, both the stash. I believe when I read the most recent, like a couple of weeks ago, Mustache Weekly, I believe they ranked Ditka number one. I could be mistaken, though. Now, now Stabler... Stabler had a great stash, but a lot of times he'd also put, like, you know, he'd do the goatee around the side. Uh-huh. Now, Jack Lambert. Lambert? That, that, eh, didn't grow in that well. How about Ben Davidson? Do you remember him? Uh, I don't remember him on the football field, but later on in his yeah. post-career. He went, I don't, I don't know if that's, for a football no, player, I don't know if that works. Uh, no, you can definitely ask, uh, look at uh, the store, Ted Hendricks. Yep. I mean, it worked for him, and that's the greatest strong side linebacker in the history of the game of football, okay? So when I think strong side linebacker, when I think back when the coach used to get leverage, I was like, I can't. I can't grow in that Hendricks uh, mustache. Coach. <laughs> all right. I had all these notes in preparation for the show. Trust me, uh, thick ankled white fullbacks and great mustaches in NFL history were not listed. I'm looking down the list that David Olson gave me. I don't see them as our primary topics, big dog, but. Somehow they snuck into the conversation. By the way, can I quickly, you know what, I'm going to save this mention because I think we got a guy calling in who's going to mention high school football. There is a uh, kicker that we absolutely have to mention, but I'm going to save that conversation. Can I throw out to you my NBA thought here, Big Dog? Um, 
Yes, you can, Coach. First of all, and again, this is a suggestion from Wilmette Jeff. Maybe other people suggest that. I think it's brilliant. But uh, your thoughts as David Stern announces that they've missed, we will officially miss the first two weeks of the NBA season. Do you think um, it's going to extend long, or do you think this is just uh, or, you know, a temporary? I don't think there's going to be a season, Coach. Really? I really, truly don't believe there's going to be a season. The players are getting 57% of the money, and they don't want to budge. That's football well, gets, they're budging a little like 46 bit. 46 to 48% during their contract. Baseball gets like 48%. Okay, hockey gets like 45%. How the NBA players are getting 57%, and we're talking 12 guys get 57% of the team's income? That's really? I have no idea why the NBA owners signed this. They're a bunch of idiots. They have wrecked the game because I can't believe they let the players get away with a 57% cut mm-hmm. in income. It, when, when does that ever happen, ever in yeah. any industry, ever? I, you know, on the surface, you're absolutely right. The owners aren't dumb. I, you know, I think there's some more details to it. But bottom line is I'm kind of with you. I am, on as most strike situations, I'm on the owner's side when it comes to professional sport. When it comes to the workplace, I tend to be the other way, but in professional sports, I think the athletes are way, way too overpaid. So I'm with you. I'm on the owner's side, but uh, you think it could extend for the entire season? I, I, I really do. And coach, I, I, w- I want you to consider this. Remember, it's a lockout, and I, I don't think you really appreciated what I what I was talking about. I I am extremely upset with the owners because how could they have ever signed this? Yes, and I heard originally? that part. Yeah, that's that's really bad. 57%, and they're wondering why 23 of their clubs lost money last season? I mean, that doesn't make any yeah. sense. No, I, these places are sold out, and they can't even make money because you got guys like Kirk Heinrich making $10 million a year, $55 million deal for what? To dribble around a basketball court mm-hmm. and fall down when people drive past them? <laughs> Play solid D, come on. I don't want to sit there and bash Heinrich, but there's so many contracts yep. like that. It's just it's just dumbfounding. Yeah, well, Gilbert you know, Arenas makes 120 million dollars on his contract. Yeah, yeah, it's completely ridiculous. And I think you know the whole Occupy Wall Street crowd and this growing movement in the country, where you know the separation of the haves and have-nots. I think there's a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit of correlation and not envy. That's the wrong word, but anger that carries over into the sports world as well. Where these uh, athletes, you know, and movie stars are making so incredibly much money that with the troubled times we have now, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's, to put it mildly, it's not exactly helping their cause. Oh, no. no. And, and when, when you figure that a lot of these guys, I mean, they're doing these dream jobs and they're complaining, oh, I need more money. I just, yeah. I, that's why I always say, you know, I've got, I got 14 cars to see. I need my money. I mean, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, coach. Yeah. yeah. When you got a full time car mechanic, on uh, on call at your house, you know that you know you're living you're living life a little bit too large. When you pay somebody fifty grand a year so they can carry around your weed, yep, it's important. You can't get arrested. Well, you know you're right. You're an NBA player. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so this guy is he's his specific job is a thousand dollars a week to carry your weed. Yep, got games to got play. Another, and then you got another employee that uh, has to take your urine test, and hopefully she's not pregnant when uh, when she takes the test. <laughs> she, huh? Yeah, having said that, let me throw out an interesting suggestion. If they go against your uh, gut instinct, and if it does end, let's say in December, as many people are 
predicting. Uh, Will met Jeff. I thought a brilliant idea, one that could almost forget about the strike. You could do this in regular NBA games, but to uh, uh, to get your 80 games in. And he prefaced it by saying, you know how the one of the knocks on NBA basketball is they really don't start playing until the fourth quarter. You know, middle of the season, game 30, game 40, game 50, the first quarter, you're kind of just, you know, the defense is Matador style. They're kind of feeling their way out. All right, his suggestion is when the teams meet at a particular place, you play two games. Each half counts as a game. So now think about it as a spectator watching on TV or at the stadium. You know, all of a sudden the beginning of that game becomes critical. The first, you know, the first half, really, the first quarter is the first half. The second quarter is the second half. Game over. That game counts in the standings. Half damn break. Take a shower, towel off, get a beer, come back for game two. I thought the intensity of that from a spectator standpoint, Big Dog, I thought that'd be a great idea. No, no, that, that's a great idea in terms of the fact that, you know, that would be fun and uh, all this other stuff. It, it would really well, be fun, Coach, but it, there's zero chance that would ever happen. Zero. But you're writing, I think you're writing it off a little bit too easy. Again, just think of it as a spectator. Yeah, it would be great as a spectator. Unless, unless you're like me, who like is used to the fact that NBA games are 48 minutes long and all of a sudden you yeah. have like a bastardized season. Well. Like where these, like these numbers and these statistics yeah. don't really count. Well, one could argue bastardized. I'd take it another approach. I'm like a Herman Cain with the 999, a bold change for America, folks. I think people would like it so much. I think that's the way you will end out. I, I don't wouldn't know if I like it for high school and college, but I think that's the way NBA basketball could go all the time, and I think it would improve the product. I think we'd like it so much, they'd change the rule. Well, uh, well, they tried to do something similar to that in the CBA. You realize that, Coach? Okay. How'd it work? The, the CBA used to do it on point, okay? So if you won the first quarter... You got one point. Yeah, that's... Every quarter that you won, you got a point. Yeah. Okay? I don't like that. And then that. if you won the game, you got five points. Yeah. So you had a chance to win nine points yeah. throughout a game. Eh. Now that's... I'll that's, use your word. That's... that's four. That's four things that go down to the end. Yeah, but I don't like four. that. I'll use your word. That's bastardizing the game. Now you're well, cheapening the product. That's, they came up with it a long time ago. So I... What, what are you going to do statistically? Oh, yeah. he played. He played two games last yeah. night. Oh, well, he only averaged. You know, all of a sudden, Kevin Durant's uh, average goes from thirty points a game to fifteen good point. points a game. It's a okay, good point. It would, it would, you can't correlate it. Oh, and then all-time wins. The Phil Jackson all of a sudden is getting two wins today, added on to his all-time record because I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. It would mess up the statistics. But I'm telling you, I think the fans would, it would be like a drug. We'd get so hooked on it, I think they would enjoy it so much that there'd be some demand to call for it. At any rate, uh, I do. I do think the one and all deal means a lot to people. Like the do or die, you get somebody's going to win today, someone's going to lose today. You're going to get a lot of one and well, ones. We're going to feel like it was yeah, a tie. That's an interesting thought. You walk out of the place, you you won one and you lost one. Are you going to be unsatisfied? I got to think about that. But I like the concept, and uh, we appreciate Wilmette Jeff for checking in with that idea. By the way, no, any... I, I, no, I like that. I like that's thinking out of the box. I appreciate that because I've come up with a lot of stuff that I yep. think is great, and people like in football. I want if you're going to kick the extra point, yep. the guy who converted the touchdown needs to be the one who <laughs> kicks the extra point. I, like I, that. I think that's a great. I think it's you know obviously field goal. Let your field goal kicker do it. Yeah. So, and if you two point, anybody can do the two point. But if you're going to kick, that's why all of a sudden people like Walter Payton, who could kick extra points, yep. and Chad Ochocinco, 
you know, all of a sudden those would be gone. I would just love to see or returning a fumble and it, then him kicking extra. It point. might work the other way. First down on one from the one yard line. Cutler back calling the signals. Rashid Davis and Mo. Oh, Rashid Davis isn't on the team anymore. Brooksbury and oh no, Brooksbury isn't on the team anymore. Who's still on there? Oh, Dane Sansenbacher in motion. There's a pitch out wide. Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold turns him. He's in. Robbie Gold with the touch. You'd have field goal kickers on first and one because yeah, well, of the extra point. They'd give it to a Robbie Gold to see if he could jump over the line. I, I don't know if they would go that far, coach. If you need Maybe that one point, would. first and one. Obviously not on third and one. David yeah. Olson, producer extraordinary. Yes, Dave. Now, are you just proposing this change for the strike shortened season, or you think they should adopt it all the time? No, I said do it for the strike shortened season. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? People might like it so much, there could be a call for it where down the road this could become – I don't know. I'd have to see how it plays out, but I think there's a chance, Dave, it would be so cool. And Joel brings up a great point. He's got to mess up records and mess up stats. But there could be 10%, 20% chance it might turn out so good that the fans and the players – Enjoy it so much they'll call for it on a regular basis. Right, but then would you would you expand you know quote unquote expand the season to 164 yeah, games probably. instead of the 82? You still got to have the 80 dates to make the money. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that makes a mess too. All right, uh, big dog. Let's go out to the phone lines. You ready to talk a little NFL football and uh, maybe even sneak in a little high school football? I would I would love to, Coach. Remember, we're talking about human beings running into each other at full speed. <laughs> By the way, I relayed your Chicago. You know, I went down to the marathon. I relayed your marathon suggestion. A bunch of people got some chuckles out of that. Or do you remember what you suggested? No, I don't. Well, we had Mike Moreau in the studio on Friday. He was going to run. We got to find out how Mike did. And I asked Mike, Joel, can you give Mike any uh, any tips or hints in your one hint? And I even relayed it to my son David is on the cross country too. Is don't don't assume the guy ahead of you is going in the right direction. <laughs> That's, that's outstanding. All right, out to, out to the phone lines we go, checking in, uh, talk a little NFL football with us. It's our good friend Pigskin Boy. Pigskin, say hi to the big dog who's back from Mexico. Big dog, back from Mexico. Hola, Viva la Mexico. Hola, okay, let's talk some football Americana. Oh. Hey, my idea for a new thing, Joel, is, and I've always thought wanted to do this, um, periodically during the game, Release a live tiger on the field. <laughs> See what no, happens. I, Why the, you know, they'll, they'll never know what's coming. You could be going for an extra point, and all of a sudden, a 400 pound Bengal <laughs> run into the ball. You're going to, you know, they're going to go crazy over that. You know, it'd be the first time Jamarcus Webb didn't jump out of his snack, out of his stand. Lance. <laughs> <laughs> There would be no problem with the Bears pigskin boy because Lance Lewis would move his feet laterally and take out the Bengal in two steps and a forearm shiver. You know, when I coached football, um, you know what we used to end up doing almost the entire season? Everything was always on one. Mm-hmm. Always. Every play yeah, we, on one. We so did we it on two. Anything that wasn't on one, it would always be offside. So I just told the kids, hey, listen, everything's on one for the rest of the season, period. Uh, see, I don't like that. I don't like that. You're cheapening the product. Coach, you're you're dumbing your you're dumbing your kids down. I don't like that at all, Pigskin. I I prefer to teach the kids the proper way. In fact, you're talking youth football, right, Pig? Yeah, youth football. Yeah. See, I think at the youth football level, you got to teach them. You're going to suffer some growing pains in the beginning, but uh, the kids will figure it out. But at the youth football level, and I, it's been a while since I coached, but it was like eighty percent. This would work. 
is you would teach your quarterback, and you got to teach the quarterback properly, would throw off your team a little bit early. But anytime you've got two, three, four, five yards to pick up for a first down, you needed a cheap five, you tell your guys in the huddle, all right, the snap's on four. Guys, don't move on four, but on three, we're going to go real loud. So you just teach your quarterback, ready, set, hut one. you got to teach them to really play it out. Hut two, hut three. And on three, guaranteed at the youth football level, that defensive team will jump off sides. 80% guarantee. I can tell you're both choked up about that. No, I just, uh, uh, you're trying to teach, uh, trickery at youth football. Well, level. you think that's no, trickery? I, like, I know, I love it, coach. I love it because that teaches them the game. It's, yeah. It's discipline. And the first they couple, realize- to the first couple times, our guys will jump. And players get mad at him. You know, come on, we're supposed to fool the other team. But after the first couple times, and they get it for the next six, seven, eight games, it'll work anytime you need a first down, guaranteed, eighty percent. You know what? You know what's really sad, Fiskin boy, is the coach, the play that coach is talking about, has worked twice so far this season in the NFL. It worked against the the Eagles this weekend, and who was it? The, the Buccaneers did it to, I forget who, but like two weeks ago. It, it, it's pretty sad. It works in the NFL twice already this season. Pigskin, you still with us? I'm with you. I didn't. I didn't mean to shoot you down, my friend. I'm just giving you my theory. Well, I'm listening to the to the fun conversation. You got a great show today, as always. <laughs> that's why. That's why I was asking you, Pigskin. Did you did, did you see those two plays this year already? Which plays? Okay, never yeah, mind. How, how are we supposed to know, Big Dog? Watching on TV, we can't tell the inflection of the voice. Pigskin, wait, which which did you like better? Our scintillating conversation of best mustaches in football, or the one about the uh, white? Fullbacks with thick ankles. Um, best mustaches always. Okay, I kind of yeah, preferred the thick ankles. The, but I'm thinking back to the Raiders in the '70s. Long hair, bushy mustaches, never shaven. Yeah, I threw a Joel Ben Davidson. And a lot of stickum. <laughs> Freddie Belitnikov. There was a, the, the Matusics, the Hendricks, the, the Alvados. There was a yep. lot of mustaches going around. Yep. Belitnikov, Stabler. I mean, they had them going on. It brings up one of our obituaries we did not bring up yesterday, our obituary of the day, Big Dog and uh, Pigskin, uh, Al Davis, passing away at the age of 82, uh, you know, negative or positive, he was indeed a football icon. Well, i got to tell you, and I was thinking about this yesterday, John, other than he probably was the most influential person, even more than Pete Rozelle, I think, in the history of the league. And I think it was almost 100% positive one of the things that he did was he was solely responsible, along with Lamar Hunt from the Chiefs, in incorporating the AFL into the NFL. Mm-hmm. And remember, they went to court over that, and Roselle said, absolutely not. They, they won the case and were awarded $1. The guy that started it, financed it, saw the whole thing through, was Al Davis. He was a revolutionary, revolutionary. He was the next biggest revolutionary after Papa George Hallett, Interesting. who invented the NFL. He invented the AFL, kept it going, started to sign players in the AFL, and forced Pete Rozelle to merge league, which led it to be the great sport it is now. Big Dog, are you with Pigskin on his influence? Yeah, I was just glad he threw, because when you said he was uh, the most influential, I'm glad he brought up Papa Bear Hallis, and it was African, obviously, the founder, and considering how long he coached for the, the Bears mm-hmm. and was part of the, the organization until 1983, that, uh, you know, like I would, would you? then right after that, Al Davis, you know, if, if you really consider when I hear people rip him because he, he lost his mind, it happens. He was 82 years old when he died. All of us that have family members are going to have to deal with one of their family members losing their mind. Okay. So 
<laughs> please don't please don't yeah. think of Al Davis as like the last ten years when he's been drooling all over himself. Because I'll remember Al Davis as you know in the right when I started loving the game of football. I like legitimately. I thought I respected him so much. I like feared Al Davis. I was like, you don't mess with Al Davis, okay? Because mm-hmm. Al Davis, I thought of as like Darth Vader, coach. But he really was beyond not just like this evil, ominous guy that we're going to take our Raiders into your town and beat you all down and and uh, then go home with your girlfriend. I mean, that basically he portrayed that <laughs> image, okay? But you got to love that because it wasn't just like that. He like had a big heart. He gave he gave opportunities to people of all color. Yep. He uh and most, and and most importantly, he was an individual man that did what he thought was right all the time. And mm-hmm. a lot of people can't deal with that, so that's why he was not like. But I respect him just for the simple fact that he did it his own way and no other way. Hallis Roselle, Al Davis, Bear fan Bruno emails in wants to know: Would you put ex Bear coach Abe Gibran in that team picture? Just oh, below Al Davis, somewhere below Al Davis. <laughs> No, I, I wouldn't. I'd put ex-coach Jim Dooley or Neil Armstrong, for sure. <laughs> well, uh, Neil Armstrong's not getting any love, okay? Dooley's the first guy on the moon. What do you want? <laughs> well, you know, you, uh, Come on, head coach Neil, and Walker. <laughs> Neil Armstrong supposedly is having, like, problems with mental health, too. He's going crazy, and supposedly he said uh, Walter Payton left. So many times. That's, that's all he says now. Walter Payton left. Walter Payton right. Walter left. He almost killed Walter Payton, by the way. Just that thought. Oh, goodness. Speaking of almost killing somebody, Pigskin. Now, we're watching the Bears game. If you were Jay Cutler's dad and Mike Mark was with you in a in a room that that was fully locked up and it was about eight by eight, what would you do to him? Well, would you we have a conversation with him or would you beat him down? We talked about this last week, Joel. This is the wrong offense at the wrong time with the wrong team. Um, this, 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 this is not the this is the offense for the uh, greatest show on turf. Excellent offensive line, great quarterback, two Hall of Fame receivers. The Bears ain't got none of that. You got to remember they hired March when they they got they got they let go of Ron Turner, Joel. And remember, nobody wanted to work for him. And they got March like like a month before training camp because he was the only guy that wanted to work with the Bears. You know, uh-huh. other than you got to remember, they had what three or four guys who were target, targeting a couple in college that said no and didn't even interview. So what? You know, now you're stuck with a coach you didn't really want and a system that isn't going to work, and you're wasting the really good quarterbacks' prime years. Plus, what? Things. Not to. I don't want to go all into it. But do you have any idea, like, what style system the Bears could actually play effective winning football with with the personnel they have right now? I'd rather I'd go back to Ron Turner. Oh. I think it was a terrible mistake to let go of Greg Olson. I, would, mm-hmm. I think it was a terrible mistake. I think he could. they showed how he could be used, but because they don't use a tight end and they don't audible, how can you not audible when you have an offensive line like that? Can you, How can you not be allowed to audible out of a bad play with a bad line? It's ridiculous. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There's 32 NFL teams and only one doesn't audible. 120 college football teams, zero don't audible. That's just as simple as that. That's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard is that they don't audible. We, well, are, the, we are the Chicago Bears and we stand above the rest, Big Dog. <laughs> you know... You know, every once in a while, like, you know, something will happen in life that you think you're prepared for, and at the last second, 
you realize, hey, you know, I better call an audible and do something different. Well, in the the NFL for the Chicago Bears and Jay Cutler, who probably has about two or three more games before he gets killed this season, I'm not trying to be funny or mean or anything. I'm saying this because I really don't want the kid to get destroyed or concussed. I honestly thought midway midway through first quarter, I thought we were, honestly, I thought we were going to see Caleb Haney, like, real soon. It's the first time in NFL history the second-backup quarterback doesn't want to go in. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Caleb is itching to get in. Hey, pigskin boy, uh, you know, as we vent on the Chicago Bears, I know you had some thoughts on high school football with a personal connection you wanted to bring up here on uh, uh, Vast Internet Radio. Don't forget, we are streaming out to seven different continents, and we're also starting to get into uh, downtown Lake Zurich and Libertyville. How about Antioch? No, yeah. no, not yet, but we've got uh, Kazakhstan covered. By the way, I'm pro-Ock, just to let you know. You're pro who? One of, my, one of my oldest friends, a good friend, is Jim Dubl. He's the head coach at North Shore Country Day, which is a small one. And he is undefeated this year. Um, two years ago, Jim did not win a football game. And you guys know how agonizing he is to put all your stuff into it and never experience for the kids at least one win. So he was winless only two years ago. Um, you know, never looked down, never said, you know, oh, we can't win, we can't win. Two years later, he's undefeated, should be ranked in the state, and um, plays the best. And there's only 120 kids in the entire school, so he's only got freshmen through varsity pigskin. Boy, what, about 60 kids to choose from? Well, Joe, you'll be interested to know that his number one assistant coach is ex-bear Fred Miller. Wow. Yep. Heck yeah. yeah. Fred's on the sideline. Fred Miller looks like he's he's 13 years old. He's not a very big guy. He's 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 um he's he's top heavy. But if you looked at Fred Miller and you said that he was 21 years old, you'd go, yeah, that's about right. Looks great. God, he looks great. But that's his number one assistant. And I just I was telling John yesterday, I just really like the idea that in two short years you've gone from the despair of a winless season. No, nine weeks, not counting August, um, to being undefeated and really one of the best teams uh, for his size in the area. So congratulations to Jim and the and the kids. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, it isn't about whether you get knocked down, it's about whether you get back up. And mm-hmm. to, to go through an 0-9 season, to have these kids still believe and, and still be part of the program, that's yep. awesome. That's and, awesome. And he was not, you know, sometimes a young coach takes over Big Dog. You know, and suffers through that year or two, and it's easier, frustrating, but it's easier for a young coach. Uh, this guy Jimmy Dubel, he's been there for like, feels like 65 years more accurately. He's probably like 25. He used to play for the school. He came back, and he's been the head coach for ages. So here's a veteran coach who had many winning years, and then he suffers, you know, three or four down seasons, including an O for year. A lot of veteran coaches at that time, big dog, pack it in. He did not pack it in. Stuck with the program, and here they are undefeated. Awesome. Yep. So what, how, how many games? Seven games into the season? Yep. Okay. Seven and oh. He's got the two best teams in the league. Just 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 as a is a is a one out, Joel. The best three teams in the league are all playing each other um the last three weeks. So oh, um you know, he their destiny is they say the old cliche is in his hand. And yeah. um he's got a quarterback. I'm not let's 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 just say congratulations. I don't want to break down Raider football. Yeah. Well, the, well the schedule makers are they probably set it up that way so <laughs> well, the big T V ratings at the end of the year. <laughs> the Moose Heart North Shore Country Day game always good 
It might bump South Florida and Texas a and I'm not sure. <laughs> One other high school kid we need to mention, dog and pigskin. Kid's name is Jake Elliott. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, his team is down a couple, I think, running out of time, desperation. They have to attempt a 53-yard field goal. Did I say this was high school football? Yeah. 53 orders. The last time I checked, there's no indoor stadiums in high school football. Jake Elliott, Lions Township, LTLT, LT, kicks it through the goalpost, 53-yarder. Last week, big dog. Who did, who did they beat, by the way? Uh, the 53-yarder beat Oak Park, maybe? Oh, Oak Park River Forest. Okay, and then who would have thunk him? But again, next week, same situation on a Comcast game live. Unfortunately, I wasn't doing it against a very good York team out of Elmhurst. Same situation. He has to nail a 44-yarder again. High school football, Jake Elliott splits the uprights. Two consecutive game-winning field goals. you got to love it from that distance. Yeah, and that's kind of a poo-poo it is. But, you know, they do do it off teeth in high school, just to let everybody yeah, know, unlike okay. college and, and pro. So I'm not knocking the kid whatsoever. But that, that, you you can add at least five yards with uh, with. But still, though, that's under well, let me ask you something like that. Why? Why is it easier off a tee? Well, coach, if you put a ball on the ground and kick it, as opposed to putting it on a, a tee two inches up, okay, it should, you would definitely be able to tell the difference. Okay, the the easier to elevate. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not ripping the kid. That's awesome okay. that he can do that. Especially gotcha. you know I played in that conference, so I was wondering if you're going to tell me Hinsdale Central, which. Hinsdale and, and LaGrange, those are the two towns. They have a, a huge football rivalry. Mm-hmm. Like Hinsdale's biggest rivalry is with us, but they but they also play LT, and those are those games are huge. So. Beautiful. Beautiful. Pigskin boy, as always, we appreciate the check-in. Sunday night football, sneak peek ahead. Do the Bears bounce back, or uh, do the troubles continue, my friend, against uh, the Minnesota Vikings and Adrian Peterson? Well, we can bounce back, Coach. The problem is, and you guys are talking about it, you're digging yourself a hole here. You've got the two, un- the two only undefeated teams in all football, and they're in your division. You've already lost to both of them. So the tiebreaker's a problem. We're not, um, we're not competing so, with them anymore. We are going for the open wild card spot. Yeah, we're going for the – the coach has already admitted that we're going yeah. for the sixth well, spot, and, the, and that's like the only chance the Bears have of making the I'm not being them. humorous or facetious about that. That's the honest – that's our ticket to the playoff. We're not going to win the – North Division this year, but there's a wild card spot to be had, and the Bears still have a shot for it. So I don't know the actual schedule, but so you're telling me like if when the Lions are playing the Eagles or the Falcons, yep. we're rooting for the Lions. Is Absolutely. What you're saying. So, yes. I, you know, I have to. You know, Bixkin, I think Coach is right, and uh, so when the Packers and the Lions are playing any NFC team other than the beloved, we have to root for those two freaking teams. Is what's going to have to happen. See, that's why I hate these four-team divisions, Coach. Stuff like this happens all the time in these blankety-blank four-team divisions. Yep. The dreaded wild card. All right, hey, Pigskin, great call. Check in on Friday if you want to play Beat the Schmoes, okay? Oh, I'll try it. I haven't been very good at it. Hey, you know what, though, guys? Think about it. You could be the freaking uh, uh, the dream team, Philadelphia Eagles. At what, one and four? <laughs> By the way, they're with the one and four Eagles at at three and one Washington right now. Philadelphia is still a point favorite. Go figure. Yeah, Al, coming up the bye week with uh, Dan Shanahan. I mean, Mike Shanahan. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the, the Redskins on that one. But Vegas has got the Eagles as the one point favorite. All right, let's get to the big call up Friday. You can't do any worse than me on beat the Schmoes.
I'll call you Friday. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. God bless you. Pigskin Boy checking in. You can, too. You dial up at 888-463-6748. Talk some football with us. David Olson, producer extraordinary. Yes, Mr. Olson. Can we slide off into some baseball? Love to. Uh, sources are reporting that Theo Epstein to the Cubs is a done deal. Wow. Five years, $20 million. Wow. Who's reporting? when you were going to bring it up, Coach. Who's reporting? Uh, ESPN's Buster Olney is Ooh. reporting it is a done deal. So the rumors have come to fruition. Big Dog, I'll let you take this one, my friend. Uh, the Cubs apparently have a new general manager, and he's high profile. Uh, Coach, now they have to work out compensation. Okay, so Claudia lets me know at 8 o'clock this morning. Epstein's with the Cubs, buddy. So like we were, all night, we were, we were one. I was up, staying up last night wondering if they're going to get the deal done. So it gets done today. So I'm like, you know, they want compensation. We can give them, how about we'll give them two players that can have Soriano and Zambrano. And Claudia <laughs> didn't laugh. He looks right at me. He's like, no, the compensation is the Red Sox want to give John Lackey to us. So the player compensation is he has to take John Lackey with him to the Cubs. I mean, if that isn't one of the funniest player compensation things you've ever heard, Coach, uh, Lackey is so bad. They, they're like, oh, Epstein, this is one of your worst signings. You take him with the, to the Cubs with you. That's, that's funny, Coach. <laughs> oh, man, what an insult to John Lackey. How, how could you come over? How could you come over and meet your teammates under that uh, premise? No, well, Coach, get, check this out. If it's true, if that's what happened. All of a sudden, John Lackey's going to have a good season next year, won't yeah. That'd be cool. Think about it. I just, you just put it in perspective for me. Yeah, he meets the team, and he's like, hey, I'm not as bad as they just giving me away because I was a, a POS. I can actually pitch. So John Lackey, he did get $82 million because he mm-hmm. was pretty good at one point in his career. All right. So, and now, you know Theo Epstein better than I do. Maybe you don't know him that well, but you know him better than I do. Uh, sneak peek ahead. I know it's late-breaking news here. We are the... Uh, 14th radio station to report this news, by the way. We're not exactly first, but we're right up there in the top 20. Um, sneak peek ahead to what uh, kind of a GM is Theo Epstein? Is it, you know, build from the bottom, bring free agents, hit and run, power. What's the scenario of the Cubs down the road? Well, uh, I guess, you know, he did build his team to the ballpark, which was that's, that's, what, you, that's what you have to do, especially at Fenway. Uh, but one thing he said when he got there, uh, he was he got the record for the 03 season was, you know, uh, I know I have an open checkbook, but I really want to build with uh, player development. And I guess you're going to have to say he must be doing all right at the uh, player development side because if you look at uh, the Red Sox, the the second or third best closer in the game over the last six years has been John Papelbon. Okay, Dustin Pedroia has been an MVP. Jacoby Ellsbury last year was either he had one of the top years in, in major league baseball last season flat out period statistically he was only behind matt kemp in terms of production mm-hmm. in the whole major league so they have built a i mean john lester i mean a 20 game winner so they've built a lot of superstar players through their their farm system and if you think about all the players that they had that they traded away in order to bring massive pieces in like Adrian Gonzalez, you must have had some uh, talent in your farm system. If you can trade for Adrian Gonzalez, did you see what I mean, Coach? Yep. That, that's what I. That's what I want. I want so many players in the farm system that we have replacements at all times. Kind of like the Cardinals. How whenever they get an injury, the guy puts on the Cardinal uniform, and all of a sudden he's a major league player. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't seem to happen enough on the north side of the city, of Chicago. It always happens in Atlanta. It happens in Boston. It doesn't happen in the New York Yankees. <laughs> they don't do that very Min- well. Minnesota would be another team. 
a perfect team. It's actually like they they have major league ready players consistently, and mm-hmm. the U.S. team needs to build that here. I, I want that. I want that. Like I always say, I want free agents to be free agency to be put in the cherry on top. Baseball. I don't want free agency to be building the foundation because you're done. Your team's over with at that point. Yeah, I'm with you on that philosophy. Hopefully, Theo uh, is listening to what you just said, Big Dog, and that will uh, further emphasize that. Uh, theory that he hopefully has as you depict 888-463-6748 any baseball fans as david olson reporting us uh, via the espn hot wire lines that theo epstein apparently they got to uh, dot a few i's cross a few letters but uh, it appears theo epstein could be the new gm of the chicago cubs 888-463-6748 personality wise big dog i don't know the guy is he i know he's young uh dominant personnel is he does he does he you work well does he work well with others so he's a laid-back workaholic, if okay. that makes any sense. Okay, like baseball is his whole entire life, and he's very happy with being the GM of the of a Major League Baseball team. It just seemed like, you know what I mean? He didn't seem like he was, uh, like, you know, like some guys come off as arrogant and brash and stuff. He doesn't come off that way. He doesn't come off like, oh, I'm a know-it-all, and I know more about baseball than you do. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, I was 28 years old. Some guy was smart enough to realize I knew a lot about baseball, and they hired me as the youngest GM in the history of baseball. Oh, and by the way, I've... I have two world championships with the Red Sox. Oh, and by the way, Coach, he does go out at night, and he does uh, flounder a little bit. Well, it's, so, it's interesting because we got an email from Dolly from Derry, and he says, uh, please make sure the big dog doesn't get jealous, but is Theo married? Asked Dolly from Derry. I don't know if something has happened recently, but I remember a couple years ago, he definitely was not married, Uh-oh. and he was definitely taking advantage of the fact that you only have to work about uh, 16 hours a day as the GM of the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> okay. Because he had about eight hours to do a uh, yep. – I don't know what he was doing, but he did a lot of meandering, Coach. What do they say? Spare time is the devil's uh, – what's the expression? And he does playground, hang right? out with, with – uh, oh, yeah, Idle, idle time is the devil's playground. Something idle, like idle hands. Yeah, whatever. Idle hands. Well, I'm always busy with the hands. That was a rock group back in the 90s, Idle Hands. I enjoyed them. Second album, not nearly as good, by the way. Uh, all right, so that's outstanding. So, Big Dog, I, I've never met a, a Cub fan as passionate, long time as you, and you sound uh, like you're positive on the Theo Epstein pickup. You have good thoughts about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, Coach. Uh, I, I really like his approach with, you know, when people like bring in Brian Cashman, I'm not going to sit here and rip Brian, Brian Cashman. The Yankees did it a different way, but they've got the open checkbook, and I, I know it's really easy to just say, oh, yeah, he – he was able to buy players off. But if you, if you really think, how many players did the Yankees produce? And I know they did trade away a lot in order to bring guys in, but it, it really wasn't that much. So Epstein really did a good job as a general manager at, at Boston. So who knows, though, Coach? Just say he comes in there, he has a couple really good people around him in the Red Sox. He's got good scouts, and he's got the, the right players in player development. So... He gets the credit for all these great players going to the organization. Now he goes to the Cubs and he leaves behind those same scouts and same play guys and players development. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he has to work with the Cubs scouts and Cubs guys and players development. Now I'm not even saying the Cubs are worse than the rest. Maybe the Cubs are better and they just haven't had any talent go through there. Okay, but don't assume that all of a sudden we're going to have Pedroia's and Ellsbury's and John Lester's and Papelbon's coming through the system every single mm-hmm. year. I mean, it would be, it'd be. I hope it happens. But I'm not expecting it just yet. Very good. Baseball expert Joel Radwanski joining us here in the Two Guys in a Mike Show. Kenny from Kenilworth has a question for you, Big Doug. He wants to know two things. One, 
Who do you think Theo Epstein, uh, knowing his personality, who might he bring to the Cubs as a manager? And two, do you have any cures for a slight case of chafing? That's Kenny oh, from Kenilworth. Oh, yeah, I'll do the chafing one first. That's much more important. <laughs> Baby powder, buddy. Baby powder. Just throw a little of that on there. Yeah, that's it's all it. good. And I, then she'll quit chafing. I could have given you that. Okay. She? Well, then, I thought he was asking for somebody else. Why would he be chafing? <laughs> I assumed it was him. You could be right. Okay. Mo- moving on to point number one. Um, that's a tough call. Uh, I-, I have no idea who he'd want in this situation. Uh, I- he's not bringing Tito Francona with him. No, okay? I agree that with you. That is not going to happen. I agree with okay. you. Um, uh, to so me, think- there's one logical guy. Brian Sandberg. That's the guy. You know, you're already bringing in a non-cub in Theo Epstein, an outsider. You know, for him to bring in a guy like Ryan Sandberg, and forget about the fact he's a Cub, I think we can all agree he's done his time, he's proved his worth, but the fact that he has that Chicago Cub uh, background would add, I've always said it would be that much more special, dog, if the Cubs finally win and we got Cubs people leading the troops. So to me, Ryan Sandberg uh, is clearly the logical choice. I really do think it's, and you know, I'm not the biggest Sandberg, uh, I was a huge and still am Sandberg fan as a player, but his personality Whatever, okay. His current personality? But all I know is this, is he'll be a good manager, and that's all I care about. I don't Wait, even what? care about a This is Ryan Sandberg did too many things just being a jackass as a player. And maybe he's he's grown up, and he isn't as big of a schmuck off the... Off the Wait a minute, time out, Ted. Give me a T.O., baby. By the way, you have uh, you can allude two more times. You have two illusions left. Are that wasn't t- an illusion. That was a flat-out thing. Uh, but I, that's why I'm calling a T.O. I, that's, you're completely throwing me off bounds. I thought Ryan Sandberg is a player, one of oh the nicest, quietest guys you could ever, totally oh, unassuming. And totally is, in the clubhouse, totally unassuming. As a matter of fact, he was so unassuming, he, his, uh, his teammates would have sex with his wife. Okay. So but where where is the bad? I'm talking about issues like I, I've been told by different people, a guy that I worked with at WGN, another guy that I worked with, that worked for the Cubs for, like, three years and would say, like, Sandberg refused to, like, go sign autographs for kids. There was this one, he tells the story. It, I, I don't even want to tell it because it's so bad that I, I don't even want to say it because I kind of would get something wrong. But let's just say he blew off a kid and Greg Maddox came to the rescue. And Greg Maddox basically, and not only did Greg Maddox spend, like, an hour with the kid, ended up, like, spending more time with the kid and his family, like, at an, on another day. Mm-hmm. So, like, oh, I don't want to. All I know is Brian Sandberg has grown up. He's totally different because I just have no people that know him now. Right. They're like, you know, he realized that he couldn't be such an ass to everybody. You're like, giving like, us. Refuse to sign autographs. Like, be like, I have no time for you. And when like, they walk right past people. Yeah, Dave. So. You know, there, there's an even more obvious choice than Ryan Sandberg. Mm. It, 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 Terry Francona. Well, no, we already said he probably. Yeah, he's not going to. They're not going to. He's not bringing Tito in. I, I'd be shocked if it brings Terry Francona. Yeah, it, 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 it was uh, it was an ownership decision to get rid of him, not that, not Epstein's. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and I will tell you this: the stuff that Francona messed up at the end of the Red Sox, uh, his Red Sox tenure. I don't think I think he's learned his lesson. He'd be a better manager off for it. Oh, I like the guy. Don't get me wrong. I like Terry Francona. I always thought he was an excellent. Going back all the way to the days when he was. Coaching uh, Michael Jordan, how he handled that whole situation with the, the Birmingham Barons. But uh, so it's not that I don't like him, Dave. I just think maybe the, the two of them need at least a year of separation. You might be right. Might be right. Hey, real quick, dog. Let's go out to the phone line. Checking in on line number forty-seven. 
Not sure what happened to the first 46 lines, but line number 47 is caller Marco. Check it out. Marco, welcome hey. to the semi-dysfunctional show known as the Two Guys in a Mic Show. Hey, guys, what's going on? So you guys on Twitter. I'm here in Chicago, and we are celebrating the day, the uh, you know, the Theo Epstein Day. This is the first move that uh, the Ricketts family has done that actually looks like they're uh, – Got their mindset on winning and not complaining about the money that they're making or not making. And I, I love the move. Yeah, there's a lot of holes that need to be filled, a lot of questions. Uh, you know, our pitching staff, the, the, the youngness of our team. But uh, I think the manager will probably be the next guy to go. And, and I think Grady Little might be a name that we, we start to hear again uh, pretty soon. Wow, a Grady Little. Grady Little. Wow, that, that, that's, I don't know if you're right or not, but I, that's just a nice throwing one out there. That's, as a manager or as a bench coach? You, you know, somewhere in the capacity to help lead these young guys that are going to be playing for us because, you know, we, we have Starlin Castro, you know, Darwin Barney, our outfield. We're going to be stuck with Soriano. That's fine. But uh, a couple of uh, young guys, if we can keep Brett Jackson, I know the uh, the compensation hasn't been released yet. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with that. But uh, um, I, I think it'd be a good fit. Yeah, I certainly hope it's not Brett Jackson because, he is a gap-to-gap hitter that can flat out go get him out in the, in the outfield. And he's one of those guys that when you, you drafted him, you were like hoping he'd cross your fingers, and he's better than what we thought he was going to be. So I, I, the Cubs can't lose that guy because he's a really athletic player. Uh, have you heard the possible compensation that John Lackey might be sent to the Cubs? Have you heard that, Robert? <laughs> no, not yet, but at this point we can blow up that whole pitching staff. I, I mean, I, I like Marmol, but, you know, you live by the slider, die by the slider. Uh. If we, you know... You know, I think he's expendable. I really don't see that there's anybody untouchable um, on our roster except for Starlin Castro. And, um, uh, uh, you know, I like Marlon Bird. A lot of people here don't. I, I think he, he, he fits uh, our system. He, he's, a, he's, he's good. But, but we got to get uh, this Ramirez cat out of here. Um, you know, we're stuck with Soriano. Soto, you know, fine. Yeah. He's, he's, Soto's he's, been a disappointment. Uh, I want Luis uh, Marco. I want Luis Montanez. Here's my 2013 World Series champions, but it starts next year. We're going to win it in 2013. Mark my words. Luis Montanez in left field. Brett Jackson in center field. Tyler Colvin is going to be a star. You heard it here first. Bump in the road. He will be a star. Tyler Colvin in right field. DJ LeMahieu over at, uh, I still almost think LeMahieu would shortstop move Castro over to third. Barney at second. Who's our first baseman, Big Dog? We got a young first baseman? Okay, yeah, Marco, who's the kid in AAA this year that had 38 home runs? Yeah. Oh, what is his name? Oh. And he's left-handed, too. Whoever, whoever that dude is, and Soto's been a disappointment, but I'll stick with Soto as the catcher. Uh, retool pitching staff. Marmol's not your closer, but that's the lineup I want to see next year. What do you think, Marco? I don't know. I think I think we got to make a play for a big name. I, I, all right, Pujols is a pipe dream, but I don't think Prince Fielder is is, is outside of the realm of possibility to go out there. You, you're the new GM and president of the team, and you need to make a move that says we want to win and we want to win now. And you got to go out there and you got to make your play on on Fielder and say we're going to be the team to beat in the Central. That's what he has to come out here and do, and you do that by bringing in a, a power lineup for for the park that you play in. Go get and, the lefty that can put it on Waveland. Well, one thing I was going to say, if you're going to bring in a guy like that, I mean, he has to be able to drive in runs. If you're going to spend big money, like you don't want to bring in a guy like Milton Bright, whose career high is 71 RBIs. Like, you know one thing, you get first fielder, you're going to get 115 runs driven in right in the, the fourth spot of your lineup. So that would be, that'd be a nice addition. As long as we can get these guys to get on base, and we did a pretty decent job of, 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 of you know, getting there. You know, Castro leading off, um, you know, the guys, you know, 
looks like he's going to be a career 300 hitter. Let's sure up his glove in the outfield. I don't know. I think third base might be a little bit too far of a throw for him. Maybe we can move him over to second base. Mm-hmm. The guy can play. He's a he's a you know he's he's going to be the the face of the franchise for years to come. Yep. And uh, I, I like it. It's a it's a good day today here in Chicago. Beautiful, Marco. We got to wrap up the show. We appreciate your joining us. Uh, don't be a stranger now. Now that you know that we're here, tune in every once in a while. Give us a call, okay? Right on. We'll do. Beautiful. Thank you, Marco. Marco checking in. I would say you can too, but right now we got to uh, wrap it up. Uh, you can, but you got to do it uh, tomorrow. Big Dog, outstanding performance as always, and your beloved Cub might have a new GM, my friend. Yeah, I want to thank the Ricketts family for not making me think about uh, Frank Omey and DeMarcus Webb for <laughs> a half hour or so. We did need that midweek break, huh? Yes, we did. Yes, yeah. we did. Normally we like to preview. Like, you, know, you can't wait to look, you know, to be honest with you. Bears Vikings preview. I don't know about you, but I could wait till Friday. Yeah, I will too. <laughs> <laughs> Not wow. sure we need to overanalyze that matchup. All right, for the single ladies out there, real quick, uh, where might they find you today, Big Dog? And please don't say a kayak wearing nothing but a bathrobe. Uh, you know what, Coach? <laughs> I'm not worried about single ladies, just one single lady. And uh, I will just be chilling at home trying to get some work. And I have so much work to do around the house, I cannot explain it. So you. Two bikes. Uh, I'll be at home. We have another I'm one not. single lady. I thought there was a one single lady that was no longer the one, but you have a new one. No, no, I don't have this one, but I am in hot pursuit. I am wooing her. Ah, okay. Well, I hope you have better luck than the Bear defensive lineman did against uh, Matt Stafford. Have a great day, big dog. Head him. Hot pursuit. What a way to end the show. David Olson, our producer, thank you so much. Appreciate everybody out there listening. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. Two guys at a mic. Talk zone.com. Signing off.